This episode of Biscuits and Jam is presented by Boar's Head. Welcome to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living Magazine. My guest this week has been a country music star since she was 15, and her famous family has been in the spotlight for years. But that hasn't kept her from focusing on the things that matter. Whatever's happening to me, whatever it is, business or personal, I do the next right thing. And if I don't do it wholeheartedly, then I've missed an opportunity. With her mother, Naomi Judd, Winona has earned five Grammys and 14 number one singles, like Why Not Me, making the duo one of the most successful acts in country music history. But her solo career has blazed many trails as well. After almost four decades in entertainment, Winona released an EP earlier this fall called Recollections, featuring her covers of songs by Nina Simone, Fats Domino, The Grateful Dead, and John Prine. On today's show, Winona tells us what she's been cooking during quarantine and how meals with the family stir the conversation. You know what I love, though, more than anything is sitting last night, all the kids are here and everybody's talking about their lives, and that's that's what I'm going to remember the most about this time are the stories that everybody's told me, and I'm writing some really good songs, and so... The food is to get everybody around the table. Plus some Judd holiday traditions and much more this week on Biscuits and Jam. Winona Judd, welcome to Biscuits and Jam. (laughs) This is a very good place for me to be. Biscuits (laughs) and Jam. (laughs) I'm glad to put you in a good state of mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, So where am I reaching you right now? I am on our farm. I'm looking out over the land. The pigs are out back, chickens. If you can get a visual here, we've got the horses. I've had this farm for a while, and I've been sort of collecting animals. They heal me. So I'm on the farm, and I'm doing chores and learning songs. I'm doing a project. So we're always in some creative process here. So what does a typical day on the farm look like for you? Let's see, dear. My son is a first responder, and he's a policeman, so he's always in and out. He's a canine deputy, and he's got his dog, and we he trains. And my mom stopped by. She's pretty cute. She lives over the hill, and Ashley lives to my right, mom to the left. And I just, I get up, and I go with the flow. You know, there's a lot happening here on the farm, Sid. We've been creative for seven months and creating music because that's what we do in good times and bad. I have chores and then I'll be sitting here literally, I know this is corny, but I call Loretta Lynn and I'll talk to her and say, hey, Loretta. And she'll tell me she loves me and then I'll hang up. Um, I fix dinner every night, like the rancher's wife. We've got a lot of kids in and out. It's just really busy in life and chaos. And I love every minute of it because I know that this too shall pass. I wish I could just pick up the phone and call Loretta Lynn. I know. It's just a blessing that happened. I don't know about you all, but when we got sort of shut down from the road, I started a thing where I would literally call people randomly, and I got such a kick out of it, and it got to be a habit because we text, you know, we email, and hearing that voice, like hearing you all today, I think it's necessary. And so calling people and hearing their stories and talking has really put life back into the situation for me because we get lonely traveling and it's just been wonderful. I just reach out to everybody I can right now. And I think that's necessary for me. 
Yeah, it's very old school, isn't it? It's like picking up that, <laughs> the, the wall phone, you know, <laughs> dialing somebody. I actually did that yesterday. We have a, a, a landline and I was literally talking to one person and I had the other person on my cell phone and I was connecting it like speakerphone and it was pretty freaking hilarious. And I thought, you know, I go back to the 80s and the 90s when we had cassettes and CDs and, you know, we didn't have all the technology today. So, yes, I am old school sometimes. <laughs> so, Winona, I want you to tell me a little bit about your relationship to Ashland, Kentucky, where you were born. And I'm just wondering what are some of the things that you love the most about that part of Kentucky? I was born across the street from my mama's mama. And the thing I really loved is I would pull in, you can see me sort of pulling into the town, and I literally look up and it says, welcome, you know, Winona and Naomi. And I just start to cry because that's the same, you know, the same bank that we went by to go to Belfont Country Club to swim it's just incredibly sweet. And people there, you know, they don't ask me, hey, do you know Dolly Parton? They always say something like, you know, your grandmother, she sure is proud of you. And it's really, really so tender that that's what I love. I love it when someone will come up to me and say, you know, I went to school with your daddy. It's just interesting. They always have their own personal story. It's not about fame, I guess, is what I love, is that they care about you and they care about common sense, quality of life, you know, stories about their experience. They'll just talk about their own lives. You know, I know y'all didn't have a lot when you grew up, but I, I heard you say once that you lived in a magical kingdom. What did yes. you mean by that? When you're little, everything is big. And I know you know what I'm talking about. It's like if you return to your school or your childhood home it just it's different i think for me living on a mountaintop i was outside of moral kentucky outside of berea and we had fruit trees in the front blackberry bushes in the back you know we weren't on city water and it was just so old-fashioned and simple and yet the woman who owned the house margaret allen the music department at berea college is in her name. She was the, the the one that changed my life. And I could talk about her for my point in all this. She had China in the cupboards. She had handmade quilts on the beds, a Steinway piano in the living room. And I had never seen anything like that. It was magic to me. And I went back and saw it. And it's, it's tiny compared to what I thought. I thought it was, you know, as big as the White House. I just didn't understand. So we were very poor. And yes, mother was going to nursing school and we met a woman who ended up getting us that house for a hundred dollars a month. And what a wonderful <laughs> place to uh, spend a few years. We did. And Margaret Allen was quite the character. And I don't know if you all have someone in your life like this, but she was almost like a character in a movie in that the way she spoke, she's a musician. And I had never been around a woman who was that fluent in just the way she moved and the way she talked and played she had classical training and she was so proper and yet she was country. And I just thought, this is crazy. The houses were surrounded by cabins because she had a music camp every year and I got to go for free. 
And I, it just changed my life, Sid. I mean, it was sitting out on the front porch. I remember singing songs, playing in the front yard with our many cats and dogs. And I had never been in that kind of environment, you know, where you could walk outside and there would be 50 cattle. It just was like a movie. And I think about it still. I'll be on the bus and think about those days. And remember, that's where my music life started at age nine. So this episode is going to air right before Christmas. And I'm wondering if the holidays were a big thing for y'all. I remember it was a big deal because we always chopped down our own tree. I don't know when's the last time you did that. And I certainly haven't in years. You know, we would literally march out and pick one and cut it down. We had time. And that was such a gift. I didn't know it at the time. We had no TV, no telephone, and we made things. Today, it would be like a Pinterest, you know, how to be crafty. It was a way of life for us. We sang. Uh, of course, we prayed. We, it was very, very sweet Southern food. My mama cooked, and we had each other. So it was a big deal because I bought my mother a hammer one Christmas, and um <laughs> I just remembered that. And I still talk about how, you know, of course, she's hammered me ever since. But I remember buying her a hammer. And I think it's because she did everything by hand. I remember, and this is really sweet. We had a loom and someone had shared sheep. And this is no joke. We dyed the wool and I made her a purse to carry her books in. I think she still has it. So, yes, holidays. Every day was creative in that we just, we did things. We made sun tea. Have you guys ever had sun tea? Oh, yeah. You know, and there's just something so sacred about those moments. We had a garden, and that's where my life began. I have that very thing here on the farm now where we had a garden, and I remember eating tomatoes out of the garden, you know, without salt or anything, just eating, you know, from the earth, and it's just sacred, you know, and I don't know at the time that though we were poor, we had each other. You know, Mom Ashley and I have never been closer than we were in moral because we, we had to huddle together. What were some things that your mom liked to make or that you remember? Wow, that's interesting. My mama was really big on fried bologna. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, we weren't very you know, wealthy at the time. We had nothing, and so we bought at the co-op. The thing I remember that she made, and I'm putting it in my cookbook, is uh, she made a thing called Chicken Continental, and it was that really comfort food with chicken and rice and creamy soup. It's just a, an amazing meal because it has everything you need. And let's see, what else did she make? She made things that I don't eat today, but when you're poor, you like soup beans and cornbread is one of my favorite things of all time. Cause she made that. I don't know when's the last time you had soup beans and cornbread y'all, you know, it's uh, like, wow. Not recently. No, right. it's weird. Well, I don't know about when you were little, what you remember about food. It's just, I remember we ate, you know what we did then that we don't do now as much as eat uh, seasonally. We just, we did things different back then. So Winona, what are some of the Judd Christmas traditions nowadays? Well, I made a joke the other day about how my mom, she was here today and she's always got these rules and she put them on a piece of paper and she laminated them and it's the Judd rules for, you know, Thanksgiving <laughs> and you have to show up in, um, you know, certain attire, like she doesn't want you to wear 
something that you know doesn't go together. She's very particular about Can't what be she schlumpy. wants. Schlumpy, thank you. So every <laughs> year on purpose, I wear my UGG slippers. I don't know what the word is. I just I try to do my own thing, even though she's bossy. So our traditions are what my mom throws down, which is basically she's got a rule thing, and I'm going to find it and probably laminate it for my children because it works. You know, the no interrupting, no cell phones. We try to play games. I think the thing that is really important nowadays, music is, you know, non-discriminating because we're all very successful and we travel and we are very popular and we think we're cute. We play games because nobody cares. You know, all (laughs) we care about, all we care about is winning. It doesn't matter about, you know, well, what did you do last week? Ah, well, you know, I flew around the world. No, we play games. It's important for all of us to bring something to the thing that we're doing, whether it's a meal or a game or something. We keep it so simple because our lives are so chaotic at times. So we will go around. My mom does this thing where she has us go around and talk about what we're thankful for. (laughs) That's always interesting. My Nana passed last year. And so she makes mm, all sorry. her food. You know, it's it's part of the thing of carrying on her tradition. She was a cook on a riverboat and she cooked. Oh my gosh. So I think our traditions are, of course, it's about food and fellowship. It's about wasting time. And my mom likes to watch movies. I'm not as keen on that as much as she is, but she's the boss. And so I try to I try to do what my mom wants us to do because it's really kind of, you know, we're winding down here, we're getting older, and I just try to be mindful. I have my own traditions here at the house, but when I'm there, it's her rules and her her party. <laughs> so you've been singing with your mom, Naomi, for your whole life, and I'm wondering what some of those early songs were that really clicked with the two of you. Well, we sang a lot about love because we were searching for it, and... I would say we were always more interested in that than anything. If you go back and look at lyrics, even in my songs, it's it was really about love, Sid, because we struggled a lot. And I don't have a lot in common with my family. I was always kind of the odd man out, if you will. When you have three women, somebody's going to have to be the funny one, you know, to crack jokes. That was my rule of seeing how much I could get away with making them laugh. I think for me with mom, if we were fussing and if we were disagreeing, which was on a daily basis, because I'm 18 at the time and she's on the bus, you know, who shares a bus with their mother for 10 years? Raise your hand. And so we would go out there and we would look at each other and we would plug into another realm we sang grandpa. I mean, come on. It was really about that because no matter what was going on in my life as a teenager, we strived for an excellence that we didn't have growing up. You know, we had dysfunction and a lot of things that most families do. And yet we sang and we sang about the hope. That was the thing I remember really wanting, like River of Time. We sing about memories and family and just trying to, trying to make it, you know, trying to survive the process. One of the songs on Winona's latest release is a cover of John Prine's Angel from Montgomery. In light of John's passing earlier this year, I asked Winona what that song and recollections as a whole mean to her. Gosh, a couple of months ago, we were doing a Facebook Live, and I got a text that John Prine had flown 
And I just sat here in the kitchen kind of looking around like it's the end of an era. All these legends are leaving us. And I just, I felt really emotional and Cactus walked in a few minutes later and I said, honey, I think I want to do Angel tonight on the Facebook Live. And he said, okay. And that's what you hear. You're hearing the actual recording of that moment of me sort of honoring someone who's important to me. And that's what Recollections is, has started a movement, a mood, if you will. It started me down a trail to watching the documentaries of Laurel Canyon, watching a documentary about Linda Ronstadt. Are you kidding me? We need to recognize these incredible artists. Listening to Joni Mitchell again and again, and just being mindful of where I come from. So Recollections is about me honoring the music that moved me, you know, I started out professionally in country music. And meanwhile, those are the songs I'm listening to on the way to the Grammys, on the way to the concert. When I'm on the bus getting ready, these are the songs that are playing in the background. So I'm working on a project now that Recollections kind of started, which is me going, okay, yep, I remember this song. And I'm learning an Emmy Lou Harris song right now. And I literally texted her and said, I just want you to know that you changed my life. And I made my guitar look like yours when I was a teenager. And that's important. So that's what this is about. And anti-record said, we want to celebrate this part of your life because you've been in you know, music now 36 years. It's time to celebrate. So what did John Prine mean to you as an artist? Gosh, that's a great question because to me, He's a poet. He's a writer first. It wasn't about celebrity. It wasn't about the successful as much uh, as it was about just him experiencing life and writing about it. And there's something so organic about that that's been lost a little bit. I know people still write. He's so raw. You know, you didn't hear a lot of production. We didn't strive for, you know, putting a lot of instruments on the recordings. He was a master at simplicity John had an ability to tell a story. And I don't know about you guys, but when I go see a show, I'm as intrigued by people talking and telling me a story before they sing the song. And he was really good at that. He could talk about from the heart, which I think is kind of missing because of the performance part, you know, the entertainment part is so rampant today. I just loved his simplicity of, of being able to play with a guitar and sing to just that himself you know and do his own thing without having this major band and production i love that we'll continue with winona judd after the break this episode of biscuits and jam from southern living is presented by boar's head introducing sweet bees honey barbecue glazed chicken a new classic flavor available only from Boar's Head that brings the celebrated traditions, signature flavors, and iconic taste of sweet honey barbecue to your local deli. Inspired by famous barbecue joints and the aficionados who know the reward is worth the wait, comes an authentic experience that can only be from Boar's Head. Made with premium ingredients, this slow-roasted chicken is delightfully sweet with notes of honey and perfectly balanced with savory hints of hickory smoke. Honey drizzled and barbecue sizzled. Ask for freshly sliced Sweet Bee's Honey Barbecue Chicken during your next visit to the deli counter. Boar's Head. Compromise elsewhere. 
Welcome back to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, and we're talking with Winona Judd. So I've got to ask you about your cover of Ramble on Rose, uh, which is a Grateful <laughs> Dead song. <laughs> and I've got to warn you that you're talking to a little bit of a deadhead here. <laughs> so forgive me the fan moment. No, but gosh, go for it. How fun was it recording that song with Bob Weir? Well, Robert Weir, I, I remember I literally said, can I call you Robert? Because it just felt weird <laughs> for me to call him Bob like he's a peer. No, I mean, he's Robert Weir to me, and he's a legend in his spare time. Here's the deal. Look, we're all busy. We're all very fabulous, running around, trying to be successful. When I got into this business of music, I wanted to, more than anything in this life, I wanted to be with Bonnie Raitt on stage. I wanted to sing, you know, with my heroes and sheroes. That's always been one of my things is to stand there. And literally I'm singing with George Jones and I'm looking at him going, uh, yeah, this is really happening. So I've always been into that cactus Mosier, the love of my life, producer, husband, and manager now said to me, I think it's important for you to learn a deadhead song. And I looked at him kind of like, well, I don't really know what to do. And he led me to that song and he said, hey, we're playing out West. The people will love it and go for it. And I, so we learned Ramble on Rose and I would do it every night and I would just kind of look around and go, what does this song mean? So I started to study the words and the story is pretty groovy, right? Just like Jack the Ripper Just like Mojo Head Just like Sunday in a shotgun on the right time bed Just like New York City Just like a Jericho Pace the hearts Climb the walls And get out when they blow Well, next thing I know Robert Weir's coming to Nashville to do something with Dwight Yoakam. And I reached out to him and said, um, I'm going to record this song. Would you come over? And he did. And I'm freaking out going, uh, I don't even know what to say. I walk in the studio. We have a home studio here on the farm and he's singing and he was coming to play on it. Well, next thing I know he's in there singing with me and I'm going, okay, wow, this is even better than I'd <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It just happened. And it was so organic and so beautiful. And all, you know, fast forward to the Fillmore. Are you kidding me? On stage at the Fillmore, like where I grew up. And I went to the Fillmore and I think I saw Dolly Parton there. I'm on stage with Robert Weir and he's playing Why Not Me. You know, and I'm just looking around like, this is crazy. And now we text almost every other day. He's working on an opera. And he's telling me a story about what he's doing and how we can connect on Zoom. And I'm like, okay. So he's like my bestie. And I'm just thrilled. I'm just thrilled. He's such an American treasure kind of guy. He's so simple and sweet. So here we are in November, and we've all been in, in quarantine for months. And I'm just wondering what this time has been like for you as someone who's been on the road for most of her life and to slow down and to perhaps cook a little bit. What have these last few months been like for you? Mm, very paradoxical, heaven and hell, light and dark, very much a farmer kind of life for me. 
to give you a little bit of an example, when I come home from the road, you know, we unpack the bus, I come in, I do cook, I cook for up to, you know, 10, 15 people a night and very family, very community. And I love that. And then we get back on the bus and we go, well, yeah, March the 14th. I'll never forget it. We cleared the bus and I, I think I cried for about a week and I'm not kidding. All my stuff was in the closet and I would go stand in the doorway and just cry because I was scared to death that I had to be, you know, off the road because it was like being unplugged from the mothership in a way that was spiritual and emotional. It just felt like a death. And I walked around in that for a while. And then I started to come out of my shell because I did hibernate like most people. And I rested and I slept and I started to feel better and I started to feel calm. And I started a routine, guys, that I don't know that I've ever really had. I'll be honest. You know, when you travel the way we do, you're on LA time and then you're on New York time. And then the next day you're in Texas. It's weird. I started to develop a real life here. So it was a blessing. That was easy, easier. It wasn't easy. It was just tougher to get used to a schedule going to bed every night at the same time. Do you do that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> See, I mean, that's really unusual for me. So I guess the best and the worst of times came to mind pretty much every day. I would talk to fans on Zoom. Uh, the great thing about my life is that I'm very connected with the fans. They're now bringing their children to see me, and we're very connected. And I would call people, and we would cry, and uh, I would talk to them about a recipe, and I'm not kidding, because it's Facebook Live. I talk about the kitchen. And so the best and worst of times, I would uh, I was devastated for the obvious reason. I'm an empath in my family. I've always been the one that cries, and people go, up oh, there she goes. And yet I felt this strength because Cactus Mosier would say, come to the studio and we would write a song. And so like a farmer, we had a garden, we have chickens, we'd go collect the eggs. I have two pigs out back and I feed the pigs and I sit there and I play with them and days go by. And so I guess the farm is thriving. It gave me life and it's changed me forever because I'm more grateful and I'm definitely more present and able to be in the the celebratory part of life. I think when you're an, an artist and you're traveling, there's a lot of pushing through and like a soldier, you know, you're trying to march towards the target and man on the farm, you can just be, and you can kind of go with the flow and you take out a loan. You try to keep your people on payroll and you do what you can. And then you, you go hang out with the animals and you cook a meal and life is good. What are some things you love to cook? There's nothing that I don't love to cook. I've got a cowboy husband. He likes fire. We have a fire every night. He likes fire, and I make him things that go with that right now. We do seasonal, and yet uh, if I had to pick one, it would probably be Mexican because that's one of my greatest memories on the road is you know traveling through all these beautiful states of the best Mexican you can ever wish for. And I just, you know what I love though, more than anything is sitting last night, all the kids are here and everybody's talking about their lives. And that's, that's what I'm going to remember the most about this time are the stories that everybody's told me. And I'm writing some really good songs. And so the food is to get everybody around the table, no cell phones. You will put it in the basket or over on the other counter and you will not touch it till we're done. Or you have to do the dishes. <laughs> that's a good rule. <laughs> Got to try that more all around my house. <laughs> Chores.
So Winona, you've been through some really tough times in your life, and, and I'm not going to catalog them here, but I'm I'm wondering if you often hear from people who are struggling and who relate mm-hmm. to something in your story, especially right now. Yes, I do every day. I talk to the fans. I hate almost calling them that because they're family. I'll call them family. Um, <laughs> these people are my yeah, they're my family of choice. I think the thing I I tell people because they'll say, how did you get through that? And they, I don't know if they think I have a magical formula or because of my success that I've got it, you know, made in the shade lemonade. I cry a lot. I um, literally this morning I had to listen to something to get me out of this this blues place. I'm always struggling between light and dark. I'm a curious person, so I'm always trying to understand why, which can be really dangerous, by the way. And I think for me, I've just got it really simple. And that is, and this is no joke, whatever's happening to me, whatever it is, business or personal, I do the next right thing. And if I don't do it wholeheartedly that I've missed an opportunity. And so I think I see things very compartmentalized and I see things like, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go in the kitchen and I'm going to drink a glass of cold water. And I think that way, you guys, I try not to go too far in the future. Like I know tomorrow I'm going to go visit Loretta and we're going to sit there and I'm going to cry and she's going to show me her kitten. I mean, isn't that crazy? Will you tell her hello from your friends at Southern Living? (laughs) I will. Southern Living. She is the Southern Living queen, by the way. I will tell people this every day I can for the rest of my life, and that is we are so blessed in so many ways. Yes, we've lost a loved one today. Yes, I heard something yesterday that devastated me, and I thought I'm going to have to literally take a day just to be by myself with God because I'm so needing to process this grief. You know, you lose someone that you love so much, boom, that's that's just unbelievable. And being a Southerner, we just have an ability, and I think this is interesting. Every woman I talk to from the South, especially, can tell me that they have this sort of innate ability to look outside and see something good, whether it be like for me, I can look out and see the garden. I can look out right now and I see the barn and I see horses and the trees are so beautiful. There's just a way to go through the grief and the, the really tough stuff because you've got nature. You've got something to remind you that God is really creative and there's something out there that's good, even when you're struggling. And so, yeah, I do talk to my fans a lot. And so I think what I'm saying is I'm getting really used to being simple about it all. I used to try to come up with some great message of hope. And now it's just do the next right thing and do it well. Winona, what are you looking forward to the most when we get on the other side of this? Well, that is a great question. I'm going to give you the the honest answer first, and then I'll give you the, what I'd really love, you know, when we do the parade. Um, I think I'm going to feel a little bit overwhelmed with getting back to going fast because I've been going fast for so long. And when we slowed down, I was able to really breathe a full deep breath without thinking about in the next breath, oh, what do I have to do? <laughs> and I'll, I'll kind of be sad about that part because I'll have to, 
you know, put on my Spanx, you know, jack my hair to Jesus, put on the sparkles, which I love. But you know what I'm saying? I'll have to go to work. It's like after a vacation, you've been on the road for 36 years. You guys have worked, you know, for six months and you're going on a vacation. What do you do on your vacation is what I've been doing for six months. So I'm going to miss being home and not doing anything for hours at a time. What I'm going to love the most is the fellowship. I'll be really honest with you. I'm an introvert, but I'm also an extrovert. I am really shy about going to the party and I'm the last one to leave because I just get so excited and activated by the response that I get from the fans. When they say something to me after a song, not just applause, when they say, you know, you're a badass one owner. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And there's this camaraderie. There's this, you know, they're literally egging me on and they're supporting me and they're lifting me up when I'm feeling down. It's just, that's what country music does. We stick together, man. These fans are so loyal. It's just an amazing time to be alive because you're seeing so much happen and it's not all, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying something that people don't identify with because I go through the ups and downs like you guys do. And I think, yeah, again, music is, it doesn't discriminate. So I look forward to singing um, on the recollections. Uh, I don't know if it's going to open with this, but it's birds flying high. You know how I feel. You know what I mean? It's like people go, whoa, I feel that. That's it. <laughs> That's what I'm going to look forward to. Cause singing during the Facebook lives has been a little lonely because you don't have that back and forth. So I guess I could have answered simply, what I look forward to, Sid, is the back and forth, you know, the hello, how are you? Well, I know people are looking forward to hearing that Winona growl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I have a lot to growl about, trust me. Well, Winona Judd, thank you so much for being on Biscuits and Jam. Well, thank you, my dear, and I look forward to it again. So I will sign off by saying bye for now and blessings to you all. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Winona Judd. Her new EP, Recollections, can be found wherever you get music. Southern Living is based in Birmingham, Alabama, and this podcast was produced and edited in Nashville, Tennessee. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or telling your friends about the program. You can find us online at southernliving.com and subscribe to our print publication, by searching for Southern Living at www.magazine.store. Biscuits and Jam is produced by Heather Morgan Schott, Chrissy Tiglius, and me, Sid Evans, for Southern Living. Thanks also to Ann Kane, Jim Hankey, Eliza Lambert, and Rachel King at Pod People. Join me next week for a special holiday edition of Biscuits and Jam, featuring various conversations with a lot of our previous guests. We'll see you then. 